Thanks for tuning in for the Go Unite podcast. We are the founders of Go Unite. I'm Michael Christensen, and I've been in the nonprofit sector for about eight years now. I mainly work in the arts. I'm Ian Harris. I call myself a designer and a thinker and a maker. And I'm Corey. I'm just here. He's our friend. Hello. <laughs> Go Unite is a massive undertaking which aims to make our communities better at functioning, have more vibrant places to live, getting people involved in causes, and more engaged. We have more info on what Go Unite is on our Patreon with our white paper, but we're here doing this podcast for you to get to know us. And our main goal is to get to know other people that are like-minded, that want to better their communities and better their lives. And for us to test our ideas and defend them and, and work them out some more. And for me to argue <laughs> with these two fools. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Welcome out to the uh, Go Unite podcast. Here we are. Hello. Number four. Yeah, this is number four. four. Yeah. Wow. Wow, we did it. We almost have an anniversary coming up, fellas. <laughs> when, when would that be? <laughs> when we get five, I don't know. <laughs> okay. What is that? <laughs> mud? Is that what it is? The mud? I don't know. Because anniversaries have like different uh-huh. things. Anyway, like gold so today's <laughs> today's podcast, we're going to be talking about the future <laughs> of volunteerism. And uh, kind of what we were thinking about for this one, because frankly, this was an enormously difficult one to wrangle conceptually. Cause for it's you, <laughs> I know what volunteering is. <laughs> All right, all right, Corey. Uh, so, well, this is perfect because the the format of the show is going to be um, we're first going to describe what it is, what it's like now, and then um, where where is it going? And where's exactly where is it going? And so we will we will uh, think about that. So, Corey, where? All right, volunteer. Oh, okay. What is? You're going to volunteer me? Yeah, I'm going to volunteer. <laughs> okay, you. volunteer me. Go ahead. <laughs> I just did. Of what, what, what's the question? <laughs> what, what is volunteering? <sighs> volunteering is giving your time or sometimes your money or sometimes, you know, just, just stuff maybe. I don't know. Okay. To, to an organization or a cause okay. that you want to further along with your help. Mm-hmm. How's that description, huh? You find <laughs> that in Wikipedia? Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's it's uh, it's a little wanting as far as conciseness, but I think it's basically correct. Okay, then let's shoot it over to Ian. Ian, <laughs> oh boy, uh, for five hundred dollars, <laughs> Michael Bucks, Michael's own we, created we money. We don't, we don't talk about Michael Bucks, please, please go on. <laughs> what is volunteering? Is um, giving time to an organization? Okay. All right, there you okay, go. Okay, Michael's, look, Michael's looking across the table at us like, okay, your answers are weak. <laughs> no, okay, so here's, here's, here's what I was, here's what I kind of came down to. I don't think we can really have a deep conversation about volunteering if we don't acknowledge, acknowledge that the word volunteerism has multiple implications. First one being from the perspective of the volunteer. Okay. So the person, like the kind of person you're describing, the person who, who believes in a cause or whatever, and they want to go out, they find an organization that represents that cause, participate in that. The second part of volunteerism, in my mind, 
is the organization itself that creates the systems that support the volunteer. Because I, it seems to me that the, the way in which the organization puts together its procedures that a volunteer will follow is integral to the experience of the volunteer. So you're talking about the experience, not what volunteering is, but what's it like right now? Yeah, yeah, I think, well, that's, yeah, I think it's that, it's, it's what it's like, and that would be kind of on the volunteering end, but I think the broader point, and this is a little bit about what you and I are talking mm. about on the way over here, Corey, is that... Um, Who's creating the volunteering opportunities? Yeah, exactly. The, the organizations creating that opportunity for those yeah. volunteers. Yeah, and the, the, <laughs> the organization and the, the volunteerism is like a function of an organization. Hmm. And so, if you don't think of it in terms of like people, or if you don't think of it in terms of the, this is a function of an organization, I don't think we can get to the root of how we can improve it and what what's at the, at the heart of these six, uh, systemic problems, mm -hmm. which is the one of the assertions of our uh, podcast today, I think. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll get into what I, yeah. 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 Sounds okay. good. <laughs> so why do, we, why, do, why do organizations need volunteers, and why do volunteers volunteer? Okay. Well, uh -huh. that, that sounds like a, a great question. Um, I think, well, actually, it just so happens that uh, Ian and I, put together a white paper and the abstract or rather the overview of the white paper lays out some of those things. Oh, does it now? So I have it right here in front of us. I really I'm had so no idea. Asked. I'm so glad I asked. I, <laughs> uh -huh. We set that up perfectly and I didn't even plan it. Uh, fate is on our side today. All right. So here it is from our white paper, which you can find on our Patreon. There are 62.8 million volunteers in the U.S., the financial worth of their combined work hours is in the ballpark of $184 billion per year. Wow. 1.5 million domestic nonprofit organizations could not function at all without them. Volunteers. So they'd be tanked. Right. Volunteers are essential. Nevertheless, nonprofits struggle to properly manage this workforce, resulting in systemic financial losses and, more importantly, Losses in enthusiasm among volunteers. Yeah, so I mean, so that's a lot of money, right? Yes. I feel like we're not to the point where that's being used in an efficient way. Because if all. you think of that money being volunteered, well, not money, but the, the value. I, I assume that takes yeah. into account of people's time and yeah, everything. Exactly. Yeah, that's. Well, they would be paid yeah. per hour, but that's still, one exactly. way to to measure it. Uh, that's out there the independent sector comes up with the number that volunteer hours okay. are worth that's what they, would... and they they say it's $24 an hour because of when you go into the training that it took and mm. everything that goes into an hour of of high skilled labor okay just being volunteered yeah they say it's worth $24 personally i think that's a little high but i'll let them the experts well, do their enough. thing. I mean, but you also have with the, the, as we might get into a little bit later, with the volunteer, you also have the added benefit that in most cases they're there because they want to be there mm -hmm. and they're passionate about so it and they would, they would do it without a paycheck and that's that's worth some money. <laughs> Almost <laughs> higher quality work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or at least okay. higher quality passion. Um, but that, so that, that's that's where I think it becomes a problem um, and why, why, it's, why it's, why it's, why it's describing 
volunteerism without talking about the organizations that are soliciting for volunteers is difficult. And one of the reasons why this podcast was hard to talk about or hard to prepare for and one of the reasons why the white paper was so hard to uh, to write is because it's such a big issue that it's it's not clear whose perspective you're trying to write for. Mm-hmm. Um, so... So let's see. So there's one thing I was thinking about uh, in terms of like the organizations. So let, let's say that um, every, every nonprofit organization, and this this is seems to be the case, has their own way of organizing, like internally. Like they all mm-hmm. have, they all organize their staff differently. They all uh, you know incentivize their staff differently. Every single organization. So if you're a a volunteer and you want to participate in the community, then you're having, any organization you go to, you're gonna to have to reorient yourself to a new system of participating. And as opposed to what we will be advocating for later in the, in the show would be like a more standardized way of participating. Right. Like you learn right. how to participate in the community and you just go mm-hmm. off. But right now the situation is where again it's like all these organizations are kind of siloed. So you almost have to relearn how to volunteer with each organization mm-hmm. yeah, you volunteer exactly. at. Okay. And so and the thing is, like you can't you can't really make a blanket statement that all nonprofit and community organiza- organizations are bad at handling volunteers because some are great at it. Hmm. But that's the problem is Once that it's inconsistent in making it a good experience for them and yeah. thinking of the volunteers first. Yeah. Yeah, so there, there are wonderful practices out there for dealing with volunteers, but it's not consistent, and that lack of consistency is the problem. It's, the, in my opinion, the, the bigger problem. And so uh, that just reminded me of the, all of the reasons that people don't volunteer mm-hmm. and how apparently only 75 or only 25% of the u.s actually volunteers Mm -hmm. their time Hmm. because they either say they don't have time or uh they don't know of the opportunities yeah so maybe yes you've covered why or they're not fun when they have volunteered organizations need volunteers but why would people volunteer or why would people not volunteer Mm -hmm. so basically what i think is so as civilization started right Mm -hmm. however many millions or thousands or whoever you are if you're if you're into the bible it's only what seven thousand years ago that we started or so if you don't believe in the bible i think it's around ten thousand years if you're a scientist you believe it was i don't know how many fifty thousand hundred thousand years ago wait wait a minute well i I guess okay i don't know either way we need to talk about this hold on hold on okay (laughs) Okay. so like human human modernity is about from what i understand between two hundred thousand to a hundred thousand years ago okay when humans were like humans right that's not society that's not Mm -hmm. civilization oh but basically you lived amongst a group right and there was no like so it was a society sure yeah there was no trading well i'm sure there was trading but there was no like money like wake up go to work right right it was kind of like you just you existed you spent maybe like six hours of your day gathering or hunting and the rest of it was spent within your community Mm -hmm. so i think that that's what we're trying to get back to like it's built into us yeah to not work in in the sense of a job that you go to, you spend eight hours a day, you come home, you sit on the couch, watch TV. Yeah. So I think that's why 
I see. Yeah, I think we're really encouraged yeah. to volunteer is because that's how we get back to our roots mm-hmm. of being a community, right? Yeah, I think that's a really good insight. And so maybe when an organization doesn't fulfill that, and you don't necessarily feel like you're you're mm-hmm. contributing to the mass of society, your right. whole culture, and you're just kind of contributing to a business, yeah. you might fall away. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. That's, that's one of my ideas. No, that, mm. I think that's, that's perfect. That's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should, should put the good idea jingle on that. <laughs> put yeah. a dollar in the good idea jar. No, I think, I think it's a great point because it's kind of like we're, we talk about so many things on the way over to record this, but... You know, we were talking about what would the world be like if you weren't, if you didn't have money mm-hmm. and that like, you know, to incentivize you to do things and like the traditional kind of fear, fearful answers, people just stay and play video games and they won't do anything. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, but people will do things because that's humans like to do things. Oh, yeah. Without mm-hmm. possessions, like, right. I mean, back then you had a rock and somebody else had a rock. What are you, you going to want their rock? No, it's a rock. <laughs> but today you have <laughs> trucks and video games and houses and everything. Yeah. So, th- so the, it, but, I mean, that speaks to another well, point is like we can't abandon civilization entirely because all Or can th- we? No, we can't. <laughs> Michael, I have a plan. No, no. Ian, you're in? <laughs> well, let's hear the plan. Oh, <laughs> you had one good I idea. just need $5,000 <laughs> yeah. from each yeah, of you, one, and then I'll tell idea. you the yeah. plan. No, I think, yeah, you had a thought to pitch in? Or? Well, uh, just when you were saying that people want to work and everything, that was the other statistic with only a quarter of the population right. volunteering. 90% say that they would like to volunteer. Yeah, but they oh, yeah. just don't yeah. know sure. how to get. I'll bet it's. I'll bet it's something like you know how like we we don't know how to eat properly, because we have all this just food at our disposal. Mm-hmm. But if you like actually live a healthy life, then you're not that incentivized by food. I think the people that mm-hmm. you know that don't volunteer or don't want to participate beyond money, they have that attitude that they need money in the same way that we have the attitude that we need food all mm-hmm. the time. You know. Yeah. It's, it's not because we don't want to work. It's not because we don't want to participate. It's because our current notion of of work, or you know, to my example, food is so warped and thrown all over the place. Hmm. You can't really think about it properly. But I, I like the idea that ninety percent of people would hypothetically would volunteer. Took the survey without yeah. any, yeah, 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 without any reward at all. Mm-hmm. As volunteering is known now, like there are plenty of reasons that people do volunteer whether it's for uh school or mm-hmm. church or whatever else skills or, mm-hmm. acquiring skills. yeah yeah learning new things and or just getting out of the house and being social and everything yeah <clears throat> so they're they get plenty out of it but mm-hmm. it doesn't play into any of that money idea it's all benefits that are outside of that completely yeah absolutely kind of so going to the, one of the questions, which is why do people not volunteer? Um, one thing that I was thinking about was trying to tell the trying to look at it from the perspective of a volunteer. And it's kind of like on the extreme end of a lack of if you if you had a if you wanted to go volunteer and the organization that you wanted to volunteer for was really disorganized, you would have all kinds of negative experiences. Like Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. <laughs> no, that was on purpose. That was a screening process. Oh, I have screening a whole theory process. about that. <laughs> that was a plan. That was plan. chaos. <laughs> no, I that a was a coop that liked chocolate and invited a bunch of... Yeah, but but look look who he gave his... Anyway, he gave his kingdom to the person that transcended the chaos. Luckily, basically. just because he did slip down a chocolate slide. 
Right. Well, I mean, that's exactly right. No, it's all watch just, this movie. It all hangs by a thread. <laughs> anyway, if you, you know, when you have like pers- a person volunteers for a very, you know, personal reason, it's, you know, it's because they believe in the cause. It's because they have friends or family that are already doing it. Mm-hmm. And so they go to it with oftentimes the best intention. But if you go to like a really disorganized company and you don't, you don't hear back from them, or the ideas that you like submit. Jurassic Park. <laughs> or the ideas. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, this this will be an interesting sub conversation of yeah. movies that are inspired by bad organization. <laughs> um, or you don't you don't hear back from the people, or your ideas aren't taken seriously, or an, you know, or you you get to right. a place and the expectations that you signed up for are totally different than mm-hmm. what you signed up for, and suddenly you're kind of like baptized into this much bigger, much more chaotic realm than you were expecting. Mm-hmm. But then on like the reverse end, if you want to volunteer for a really well-organized you know, company, they'll keep you in the know about all these things, but it will still seem very procedural. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll be like, we'll fill out this form and go to these orientations and do this and do that. And by the time you've been through it, you know, it's like, you know, it's, you're still removed from the passion just a little bit. And mm. it's, if it's a great organization, I imagine they, you know, are able to get people through that, but I imagine I that say, even organization can be How do you, how do, you do that without making it seem like a job? Yeah, and so Something that's that's that. a problem because when I think you know when someone comes to you with the energy of wanting to volunteer, it's like the human response is, "Thank you. I am going to do my best to make this a great experience for you." Mm-hmm. But when you're dealing with like an organization, that's a very hard promise to make because it's and it's all on pretense of like you're going to get these things out of it we guarantee and we'll do this for you like the procedural stuff yeah it becomes kind of a job sort of thing yeah Yeah. but it's also so the last little surge of studying i did before this was some things on uh just economics and so now that's just on my brain Mm -hmm. so (laughs) it sounded like we were talking about money and all the other things people get out of volunteering Mm -hmm. but it sounds so much just like you're talking about energy when it's about volunteering. Yeah. That's what all the transactions are based on mm-hmm. is a volunteer coming to it with energy that gives the organization like a little bit more of a boost mm-hmm. to go out and do this thing and they get energy out of it and just yeah. back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That's, that's a very cool line of thinking. So we need neuroscan helmets for volunteers. <laughs> okay. Well, that's the problem. So if we don't identify no. it, if we don't identify the culture and what gives people positive energy, we probably have to do stuff like that, and like totally look at it analytically. But like, if we just step back and say what makes people happy, well, it's mm-hmm. having fun and having meaning. Mm-hmm. And but there is like another another point that I thought was important to have is that that like when a volunteer oftentimes wants to participate, they have a very naive view of the actual problem and so it does make sense that there should be some kind of initiation or trial by fire as you enter into the the operating system of this corporation just so that you can understand the proper headspace to effectively tackle the problem because it's like you know seeing you know wanting to help a homeless person on the street um, is a very different headspace that you're in than when you're actually in the chambers of an organization and actually having to create systemic mm-hmm. programs for you know it's it's you know so there should almost be like a, a graph 
like a tree where you mm -hmm. see where you fall and how it affects yeah. the bigger picture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And some kind of like emotional training, mm -hmm. you know, like keep this naive energy because that's why you're doing it. And that's what you're going to feel good about when you're, this, all this is done. But now, you know, jump into another headspace and think about the actual operating system of a collaborative workforce. Mm -hmm. So, and that's, yeah. And that would help both organizations and volunteers. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Absolutely. That's why stories are so important with mm -hmm. telling you did this one little thing. You made some copies or mailed some things out and then it was able to accomplish the thing you got started for in this mm -hmm. way. Just, by the energy you guys yes. yeah <laughs> yeah and by yeah exactly like telling that story that brings them back to that energy that they were in when they first you know had the impulse to help mm -hmm. um, so I think one other point and I, I, I didn't want to say this because I, was, I thought this was interesting but say your point and I have a segue okay well okay so it's gonna be good, my man. my I, I guess like a, an overarching thought is that every community organization and nonprofit has two purposes. The first purpose is to serve a mission in their, you know, in whatever they're specifically focused on. So if it's an art nonprofit, then their first purpose is to serve in the arts. Mm -hmm. But then their second purpose of any organization working in the community is to make the whole of society better. And I think... I think that most organizations, nonprofits and community organizations do reasonably well at serving their first purpose because it's the obvious purpose. Right. But I think where they struggle though is in the broader purpose of making society on the whole better because to me that seems like that's a systemic thing and if you don't have a clear strategy of how to to communicate across organizations then you can't uh, you can't help but do redundant work. You can't help but having different volunteer orientations. You can't, you know, help but confusing volunteers. And this kind of goes to the point of what we we're talking about in our white papers, which is it's like it's no organization is doing the bad job. That's not what the problem is. It's like the problem is beyond the scope of what people are setting out to do. You need to act more as a colony, like the colony of ants. Everybody knows and how's the I would get hate the job to use done. that okay. analogy, but <laughs> I can. I, can I mean, let's explore that. Of, uh, <laughs> well, well, it's of birds, of bats. It's of, it's it's more so identifying what is good business practices. I'm just saying, and having a way to yeah, well, with I everybody mean, working together, you're going to be able to build the system that needs to be in place for everyone to survive. Right now, yeah. everybody's digging tunnels at whichever way they can. Right, exactly, yeah. And nobody's really connecting anything. Yeah, and it's it's struggling to come to a, to a head. And a, I hear it. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. It makes He's complete listening. sense. Um, uh -huh. His ears my are My ears on. are here. But, <laughs> but it also sounds... But you're wrong. Like, <laughs> yeah, like fascism that you're describing. Whoa. <laughs> Mike, we're going to ask you to step out. He's making a good point. No, well, let, let's talk about so it. So the, the point that I had, had in the last one yeah. was how the majority isn't always right. Mm -hmm. And that independence and the majority are mm -hmm. always at odds. Yeah. And so part of what makes volunteering so important to organizations is getting new perspectives in right. and hearing new things out and, and trying things that 
didn't work a certain way, but mm-hmm. then trying them in a new variation. Right. So. Yeah. Well, let, let's. Do we call the FBI or who do we call? <laughs> Hold on. Let me, let me so address So where that. does this? Okay, where does the divide, divide yeah, happen? Yeah. How okay. close can all these there's tunnels no. come together? So there's a, a, so it, my my thinking is that any structure whatsoever has the potential to become fascist and that's it doesn't in my mind it doesn't matter if it's an organization it doesn't matter if it's like the actual english language any structure whatsoever necessarily limits and contains something and so what i'm advocating for is not like one language that we all speak forever and ever what i'm saying is let's identify syntax of what is useful language and apply it where necessary and have the understanding of the basic syntax of participating in the community understood. Because it's like, you know, math isn't fascist, but math is something that we have to adhere to. Mm. And we don't, if we don't adhere to it, then we do so at our own peril. And if we adhere to it, then we can transcend it, right? Because like, it transcend it in the sense like, if you don't believe in gravity, then you can never make an airplane. It's like if you need to believe in math to believe in gravity and with those knowledges you can start to get creative. What I'm saying is let's understand the syntax of properly structured communities so that we can have kind of variation on those themes. It's almost mm-hmm. like the laws of nature, like a colony <laughs> of Okay, nobody wants to say it. Well, it's, <laughs> I mean, it I'm glad that you bring it up, and I'm glad that you bring the fascist point up because I'm I'm not saying I want to have just like, I mean, we've I I don't want to have like one system with one flag and one operating system. I I think it would be better to understand, like how in our world we have different languages, and s- traditionally smart people know multiple languages i would say let's do something similar with you know the way that we run our communities is let's Mm -hmm. establish what is actually functioning language and then decide the variations upon those but i I guess my point is is i don't think that we understand what is a functioning language on the broad society scale Mm -hmm. that's what i'm saying Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we've yet to crack the the mathematics of society but you're talking about like something you, you were sounding like fascist but tell me what you thought so i was call saying the fbi the, who do we call tell me what you thought i was saying and we could talk about with that. the with Our the next syntax. podcast would be held in a prison cell <laughs> we're terrorists. uh the with it being like one uniform thing mm-hmm. that still is finding a finding one true pattern of things but in your own explanation it also started sounding more like it, you use language as an example of like themes and everything mm-hmm. but how language doesn't exactly have to be all spoken language right Ooh. it could also like language is a pretty broad term in itself the language yeah. alone but would you okay would you say that language. that point is valid though that and what I'm from talking about rival that's a good language yeah so <laughs> i mean is is not the english language itself kind of fascist yes oh yeah what's, and what, any language what's, what's your definition of well that's fascism? that's the thing that's why that's a good point to bring up because i think that fascism 
is the fear that you're going to have some leader who makes you who makes you do something and that's it because the, the fascist because defi- you guys got to be on the same well yeah, definition it, if we're gonna that there's some authoritarian rule yeah yeah because okay. it's One, in my mind fascism is more about the political structure and less about the policy um well i don't know if i cement myself in that but i guess what i'm trying to say is that i think that it, the fascism the fear is that you you can't do anything except what one person or a group of people tell you to do mm-hmm. and that's not what i'm advocating for at all i'm just saying well, that you regardless just... like regardless of what you do there are going to be common themes across a large scale of people and we would be better off in understanding what those themes are so that we're not destroyed by them on a systemic scale and we can turn them to our collective advantage in an emergent way where every citizen has a platform that is just as justifiable as anybody else's upon which to make variations on this theme. I'm into that. Okay, cool. You ready for my segue? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I don't know if I, I sufficiently made the point, but it's okay. a good question. Yeah. No, continue. No, no, please. No, you. You go. I already went. Oh, okay. Five hours later. No, you go. Come on. <laughs> so, you ready? You yeah, ready yeah. for my idea I had 15 minutes ago? <laughs> yeah. So, in the future of volunteering, because we're going to have technology, mm-hmm. taps into your neurons, no, whatever. No, no, we're not like, doing it. Give me the floor, Mike. Okay. All right. That's Can we turn Mike's microphone off for a sec? <laughs> Connects into your spinal column, right? Gives you energy, like Ian's oh. saying. Okay. Uh-huh. So then, whatever you do, people pay you in energy. Mm-hmm. So if you don't do the things you should, you don't get energy to operate your body, which means you're just a lump of meat on the ground if you don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Huh? You like it? You can have like a little, <laughs> like on those like, like, what's the what's the bunny rabbit batteries? Energizer. Energizer you know oh, how they have those oh. things you can push on the on the oh, battery. Yeah, yeah. You have yeah. those like installed in your forearm. <laughs> um, and then I don't want that. Instead of money, we get paid in energy, which is transferable through a handshake. I, I shake your hand. I give you some energy. But I mean, I don't. I don't know. I. I got an I'm energy not, bank. See, I just, the thing is, I'm not sure how seriously you're proposing this idea. So I don't know with what uh, level of severity to reproach you with. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how I see the future of volunteering. But see, that's the thing. I, mm. it's, it's like I, we were talking about this last time. Like, there's this kind of race to the bottom of your brainstem, and it's like if we don't add the cultural aspect of this, and we just have this be a tech-driven solution, that's going to be like the ideas that people have. Like, mm-hmm. let's change our body as quickly as possible, with as little regard for any yeah. way that humans live as much as possible. <laughs> Energy hackers. Oh, maybe maybe we should. Um. Maybe we should move on to like the future here. Maybe that would be. Uh, yeah, I did just now. Oh, that's that's true. Okay, so um, scrolling down here quite a ways. Well, know. maybe that's that's the future. Is something that you can get out of that whole race to the bottom of the brainstem, and because most of the reasons that we mentioned of there not being enough time or just all the reasons that people don't volunteer mm-hmm. are all kind of hinting at they either don't uh, 
meet their expectations well enough or they are too hard they're not accommodating mm-hmm. enough to what they want that's i guess the yeah. one things they don't come to the volunteer the volunteers left to go find things because mm-hmm. uh, that's just all of the things i was reading about how to make better volunteer experiences were to invest in the people who are coordinating them to make it a better experience an easier experience for them yeah, <clears throat> yeah. doing things that they already are doing like at home or at work and just making it easier all around which sounds terrible that we all just need to make everything easier for people to yeah i don't think yeah do it, i don't but, like the idea that everything should just be easy yeah but <laughs> that's largely it is is making it more approachable yeah I, yeah i think that's right and i i like i like so many of the thoughts here like i like the idea of being able to describe to a volunteer up front that you know this system that you want to participate in is very big and this feeling that you have this kind of naive feeling is important but it's not going to be the sole thing that's going to help get you through the the difficulty of the actual problem and it kind of reminds me what we're trying to do with the like uh, the art program connect where we have people you know voting for art and we do this competition here's our plug for connect is that <laughs> but it's just this idea that you're in going to endure this competition and it's going to hurt if you don't win so you better learn how to overcome the fear of losing so that it's no longer a problem for you and so yeah i, I think the idea of just trying to make everything super easy is kind of a creepy idea because mm-hmm. it's just like you know there's i don't think there's any hope down that direction but just like i think it's more like how do you alternate between improving systems and then building culture around systems you know like and culture by like creating these these kind of educational experiences where you learn what something is going to be like but yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I have no idea. You got a segue for that, Corey? <laughs> so Duracell batteries, right? <laughs> they got the little thing on the side. Have any of you been to like an escape room? Like, Mm-mm. like, I mean, when I was when I was seventeen, I got kidnapped. Is that what we're <laughs> no, like about? like a game. Like, like it's basically like a, a game experience. Turns out I didn't get kidnapped. I was just in my bathroom with the lights <laughs> off. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, and who was the person who thought kidnapped you? I don't know. You know? <laughs> that was the scariest part. That <laughs> <laughs> was just gone. No, but I, I think that the future is going to be a lot like kind of an... Es- I mean, like they're going to be different you, experiences. Relating the future to an escape room? No, hold on. Hold on. Just in <laughs> panic? No, no, hold on. It's like the Matrix no. going on now. <laughs> no, no, no. It's like you will be able to construct opt-in game experiences where you go in, take on kind of a character persona, and then iterate through problem solving and puzzles in a certain amount of time. And at the end of that puzzle, you will go on the outside with having accomplished something that's not just fun, but is of benefit to the people around you. Hmm. What? So that's that's what I think. Is you And you will be able to create escape rooms that I can go enjoy. And 
I can create ones that you can enjoy. If, so if they, so if my Duracell battery mm-hmm. idea was out of this world, but your escape room idea is not. <laughs> I'm just saying, on. like an ecosystem of experiences that have multi multiple levels of functionality. Right, and so you can create fun experiences so that result in meaningful social. How my benefit. noggin is taking what you're saying and. There's no it. diode. You don't have to go if you don't want to. If you think is, something's bad, you can give it thumbs down. Is in the future there will be no longer a need for you to work a nine to five, and you could put more of your effort into creating these creative, um, building things and further along your development process. I guess that's that's the way I can exactly. explain it right now. Yeah, I think yeah, it's it's so that in, yeah. instead of putting energy uh-huh, Ian, mm-hmm. and time into something kind of useless you put your energy and time into something yeah like problem solve exactly but i think that there would also be like a broader private sector like all this stuff so like an elite no 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 hold on it would be like i I think that like our communities would share systems and then what is now like for-profit organizations would have siloed systems and these siloed systems would focus on creating like specific technologies. Like someone in the community would say, my mystery escape room needs a widget that does this. And then these companies would compete to create that widget. Whenever I think company. of Mike's future, I think of like people in like white robes and just like, <laughs> like walking around all softly. stylized. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> It's all it's all opt-in, you know. You don't have to live there. It's just I think that's what's required to have a sustainable civilization at this scale. Would you agree with me that that's what how do you envision people in your future? I think it'd be more like a well organized burning man and you know, you could so go to places, like, you could not go to places. It'd be like their own costume well, I guess it'd be just be clothing like, at that time, but like costumes and Disneyland. It's a little disjointed. It doesn't test well. Ian, what's <laughs> what's your future like? <laughs> is, your, is your future a Burning Man Disneyland? You know, like, like Waterworld? Waterworld. That's dystopian. <laughs> yeah. See, I think Something mine's like a that. mix between your two. Because mine's okay, like so a nature kind of Bears Grills kind of thing where everybody's just dirty all the time. Yeah, I think, it, I think it'd be like world. You know, you could have like your own, like, I want to go down to this city to have this type of experience. Come on down to Corey's town. <laughs> and I want to go down to this type of experience to have no experience whatsoever because I don't want to live in something that someone's thought deeply about. I just want to just go be around. A sack of meat. Right, I just want to go and sit in the sun and just <laughs> rot. You know, you could do whatever you want. I'm just saying that the level of problems that we're having require higher level solutions and i don't think that our current setup is made to create scalable solutions that's what so i'm, how I'm do not we, saying you have to how, live I'm, I'm just saying i think that have to be something like that how do we create volunteering to get to that then because i think that's where it would start essentially because mm-hmm. volunteers are the, the, so, the troops to the organizations yeah, yeah what i was gonna say with all these descriptions of of the future is why would it go that way economically Mm. again like what what in the market says that people want to not have a nine-to-five i think well the one of the biggest economic industries on the earth is gaming mm -hmm. you know i think uh, people want to play games they want to feel like they they have they i think they want to feel like they can participate participate in an adventure 
without having to die and without having to risk everything, you know, kind of having like tentative adventure. Like that, I think that's what instills it is the idea because oh, you sure. get in the mindset that oh I might. Well, die. that's that's where mm-hmm. like what you like to do, Corey, comes in. Like, Ooh, like cool. actually, like you know, scaling down rock mountains. That's never not going to be dangerous. Well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, we take precautions. <laughs> but stuff like it that, it's 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 more but... dangerous than like sitting and playing. I, yeah, that's true. And so I'm just saying that there would be like degrees. So it's like I want to just have a. a you know, I want to have a totally superfluous experience, so I'm going to play a video game. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to have a meaningful experience, but also improves systemically society. Oh, I want to go volunteer. Oh, I want to go, you know, test what I'm actually afraid of, so I'm going to go out into the wilderness kind of thing. It's nothing to be scared about, Mike. Well, really? <laughs> Come along. <laughs> See, now that's dystopian for <laughs> <laughs> Wilderness is our friend. So the the other thing too that I think is one of the reasons why I think that like driving more towards a game experience is where I think the future is going to go because I think of like like actual professional athletes and I was I was doing all this research on them and they have this thing called sports psychology and it's kind of this whole field of study where they you know athletes prepare to engage in a game and they'll like meditate they will focus on a goal they will you know not eat or you know eat certain things they'll have these rituals and they're just like trying to get into the zone to do something that they do all the time you know Mm. it's like how many of us have jobs where we do the same thing over and over and we just kind of do it over and over but we rarely will like meditate on like okay i mean i don't know about about you but i'm sure me and ian meditate before we go to work and we (laughs) We eat properly and before I do anything, <laughs> <laughs> and that's good. I, I, but I think that in that, all right, I'm gonna the, put my shoes on. <laughs> well, that allows the athlete to be more excellent, right? Is because they can get in that meditative state before they do something that actually is pretty pointless. Yeah. You know, I, I will say that a whole point of yours is pretty indicative of who, who uh, we are of studying sports and ending up in psychology that's yeah <laughs> yeah okay. See, I don't, it wasn't even until like know. last week when i knew that that was a thing and i'd be like, oh it's a thing it comes together my issue yeah. with it is people have to like come to terms with their reality you can't just be like playing a game because if you look at like athletes once their career's done not a lot of them are too um successful after i guess you'd say yeah money-wise health-wise or anything. They basically destroy their bodies for a five-year lime, limelight. Is that, is that what a lim- what is the yeah. limelight? Is it a yeah, yeah, limelight lime, or limelight? A limelight, like a like a lime drink. But anyways, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I totally get that. And I, I think, but the I think the problem there though is not the game, or the problem is is the game. It's not the meditation. And so I'm sure these athletes could be like, okay, now I'm going to meditate on my children you know and, the, and you can do this but same you get thing. what i'm saying we gotta install yeah. some kind of bigger picture so people aren't just like looking for the next game they're more just content with what they have and where they are well i think that there would all you'd always be able to problem solve i want, I want you can people to be content it. with just existing you know mm. yeah Corey doesn't like meditating on that's my future on uh, the future <laughs> It's hard to meditate about. My future is people happy to just be. Yeah. Mm. 
I like that. Mm-hmm. Like a like a Mad Max Disneyland kind of <laughs> aesthetic. <laughs> yeah, kind of. You know. But I mean, but you all, you want to go on adventures, right? You want to do fun things. Yeah. You want to be able to say, "Okay, Mike made a pretty good game, but I made a totally better game," and all the people agree. <laughs> you want to be able to say that, right? Because that's fun to just. But then that's just the that's just that's just what we have now a monopoly. But no, it's because then nobody's gonna play your game, and you're gonna be all in the dumps because you got one guy that's just like, "Oh, Mike, I like your game." <laughs> you know, that would make me happy. This keeps sounding more and more like a conversation about. Socialism versus <laughs> capitalism. I'm telling you. Yeah. No, you're right. It is. It's like. I think that needs to be the next. Socialism topic versus capitalism. Capitalism. Yeah. yeah. It is because, the the thing is, like, I think it's it's totally healthy to compete. Competition is a healthy mm-hmm. and good part of reality. And oh, definitely. you know, when you st- when you start thinking about fascism, my mind starts going to like, no competition, everybody. Everybody does this one mm-hmm. thing. This equal. If anyone goes, you know, over the line, you're. Who was that person again? You're not there. I. Th- well, I think the exciting thing, is the idea that you can, do something new or you know excite people in a way that they haven't been excited in a long time or create a story that nobody's heard before or go to Mars or something. That's all kind of like a competitive one-upmanship. So then how would we implement that into volunteering? Well, because the volunteers are able... That's a good question. I would think that the volunteers get to participate in the games, make feedbacks of of the games, and also make games. Okay. So a volunteer could engineer an environment and get their friends to enjoy it, and if it was a total stinker, then... So your future is games for the volunteers. And, And people making things to enjoy for the enjoyment of making them right and letting people in enjoy them yeah that and is yeah. true half the when i build something i want to get it done i want to accomplish it yeah but then once i got it done yeah it like sits in the corner because it mm-hmm. was more fun for me to create mm-hmm. that thing yeah mm-hmm. yeah than it is to actually oh, yeah. have it there absolutely tons of different reasons that that people would want to. But. So would you say yeah. some of these organizations maybe fall into that line that they're excited to create their organization, they get all amped up, and then once they have it and it's running, then maybe well, they kind of lose their... Yeah. In fact, we, yeah, we've been doing some procedure making for Connect, and which is the R program, and just because people don't automatically know what that is. But, um, but we, we had a lot, of this, a lot of fun making these rules... But now we're having to like abide by them. <laughs> it's like I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be the bad guy. But if you can like integrate the rules in such a way that the check and balance is not how many cool rules do you have, but like is this rule fun, or is this rule meaningful, or does this rule have stacked functions, and that by following this rule you can actually simultaneously make an art piece and also cure homelessness and global warming you know the, all the better i mean if you can link multiple problems to but that's one not possible rule, is it <laughs> sure why not? Yet. <laughs> why not because i mean, all like a lot of the fear of global warming you know is a problem but there's some very climate real change oh, i'm sorry climate, climate change, change. I'm, sorry. I'm not <laughs> i'm not disparaging that it's you know real or anything i'm, I'm you know I'm, i think we all are pretty certain that it's happening i'm just saying that i think beneath these things are logical problems 
and there is the fear of the issue, and then there's the actual addressing of problems. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that there is some problem, that you, there's some series of issues underlining climate change that you could reduce down to a handful of issues that you could be like. Yeah. And to your point also, Corey, with um, them, the organizations getting distracted with just being organized and mm-hmm. everything is there's kind of a a pattern of organizations getting big enough where they can hire staff to do the more fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then, which seems weird too. If, if what we've been saying is that like having a fun job is more important than getting paid and mm-hmm. you like get more out of it if you're having fun and doing the thing you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But then these organizations spend their money on, salaries for people to have right jobs that would be done for free they <laughs> yeah open yeah up that's those, true and yeah. and then leaving the volunteers who wanted to do something exciting to make copies and, and <laughs> yeah yeah exactly. do the grunt work and everything yeah that's also what i think would be the future of organizations is them it not not paying employees anymore but yeah paying the right employees to do the right amount of work Mm -hmm. and the right kind of work and then centering everything around the people who just want to help Mm -hmm. out to help out yeah and making sure that they have opportunities that kind of reminds me of one of the points that i was researching where it was uh, by a researcher named dan air e ali but he's just really Did we smart. get that right, Dan? <laughs> I wrote a Dan, uh, call in if he butchered Dan, your last name. <laughs> Dan Ariali. I wrote it down because I was it was weird it's you know, it's a weird name. But basically it's a fine name. I just couldn't pronounce it. There's nothing wrong with the name. Um, but he was basically talking about like he he was trying to study he he's a scientist and he was studying Intel and the study was to see what was a better incentive, a complement from a, a boss. Oh, I think I've heard money. of this Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Compliment, uh, a small amount of money that's maybe worth roughly like what someone might say a compliment's worth or, you know, or like a, a, a pizza party or something, like kind of a social thing. Right. And they found, and basically what they did is they took three groups of people and they gave each group an ins- one of those different incentives um, on a first day of a work week. And they found that on the first day, with all the team members knowing the incentive, um, all the teams performed about the same. But then on the second day, um, the people that were incentivized with money did not perform well at all. They dropped way down, and it took them like the rest of the week to go back to normal productivity. Oh, wow. And then the people that got the compliment slowly went back to normal, just like in a nice decline back to normalcy. And then like the the pizza party was like slightly lower, but still kind of a a nice decline. Mm -hmm. But money was like dropped down in productivity. So in actually giving people money in that context, you were losing money. And I think that's quite fascinating because that- And missing out on pizza. (laughs) (laughs) I think that just goes back to- (laughs) Which you can buy with money if you're clever. You have more fun in the idea of obtaining something. And then once you have money, yeah, that's done. Mm-hmm. Right. But when it's a pizza party, then that kind of lasts, and you're like, "Yeah, we're gonna work mm-hmm. towards this. We're gonna get this." And then... Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I think another point he made in that same video was that a lot of people use money for different, 
purposes. Like some people use money just to like pay the bills and, you know, and mm -hmm. have kind of a nice life, in which case you can't really argue that money's bad because you need money to do those things. So money's good and people should be compensated for work. But he was also saying that people use money for like status, mm -hmm. which, you know, people do. So, yeah, so I've been. So it's like is different. That, is that what people do? I've <laughs> <laughs> been listening yeah, to a book called. The emerald, <laughs> the emerald Mile, and it's about river rafting the Colorado River through the Grand Canyon when mm -hmm. it first kind of started. And one of the guide tours, he had wooden dories, wooden boats, and his boatmen, the tour guides, were of the least paid out of mm. all the tour guides. Their boats weren't, so a lot of the boats turned to like rubber pontoon boats. Mm-hmm. His boats were wooden, so when they would hit a rock, they had to be repaired. So it was a lot harder to get down the canyon with these. But people stayed on, and people actually came and asked him for a job from some of these other outfitters because they liked the idea of running the old wooden dories, and that hmm. was their incentive. It wasn't yeah. about money. It was hmm. about... Yeah. And a lot of the other people respected him for that. Yeah. That's perfect. And so... wish people respected the hotel i work at being so old <laughs> <laughs> well that, that's that's a very interesting question though because what types of jobs are people willing to you know have that just be their life and what types of jobs mm -hmm. are like no give me money or i'm not gonna do yeah. that stupid well and i guess thing that's that true running the colorado do. river is quite the adventure every other yeah day, it so. is it'd be like infinitely renewing is your hotel haunted ian only a little. Well, then that's your problem. I stayed <laughs> in a haunted hotel in Montana. Old, old hotel. <laughs> well, it kind of makes me think, too, about, like, some of these jobs that we do can be automated. You know, like, uh, we have uh, a venue manager uh, at the Arts Alliance who is very interested in doing a certain job, but is not as interested in doing another job. And this person's totally within their rights to do that. And they want, and the job that they want to do is more experiential and creative mm -hmm. and engaging with people and creating things. And the job that they're getting less interested in is like the purely procedural job of like responding to emails Scheduling. and filling holes and stuff. And like all that stuff is like, that's what we're designing machines to do is those kinds of things that are just like putting paper where it belongs and mm -hmm. delivering mail and stuff. Like, I mean, you can make games around that, and you don't want to get rid of it just willy-nilly, but that's not really what I want to be doing. I mean, like, think about basketball. Basketball is basically like a glorified mailman. You know, you're just, like, putting a ball <laughs> into a net, putting a letter into a slot. It's the same action. Uh, a few, few more people. <laughs> a few more people. Play. A little less concerned. But it's like but there's only one procedure. mailbox. More challenging, maybe. So you're saying we need to get more. We need to put duplicate letters out and more mailmen out there. And have it all competitive. Yeah. <laughs> who's who's going to get my letter to me first? <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying that if you look at like the logic, the basic logic beneath these structures. It's like it's like it's two thirty, and the mailmen are coming. And they got a ref, and they're just running down your street, knocking like each other over. Like tell over. Is that okay? I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna, I got this. <laughs> Passing my shoebox to each other as they try to get to my house first. I feel like I feel like what's gonna happen. Kind of one thought here is we're gonna have like society level organization where it's gonna be more kind of like this weird 
game-like, immersive, hyper-logical, aware, focused, problem-solving. But then the further you get to like the outskirts, the more it's going to be like normal life, kind of like we deal with it, where we just like basic kind of things. But I think mm-hmm. the hyper center will be like like Star Trek, but like around the suburbs, it'll be like pretty normal. Thank you for using Star Trek. It's not fascist. <laughs> <laughs> I love my Star Trek. Fa- Star Trek is awesome. I think Thank it'll you. be just more like scalable because i think right now we have a problem where we're bottlenecking because we can't get like beyond a certain level of complexity more scalable than star trek no no i think (laughs) think it'll be scalable like star trek i'm just saying that our society is bottlenecking because we're not communicating properly and so we're just kind of like tripping over ourselves but if we could just add one more tier of organization then it would be much easier to make much more elaborate structures What's funny about this is that me and Ian are on one side of the table and Michael's on the other. Like, <laughs> yes, what? Like what? Well, like a fashion. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so wait a minute. Sen- well, okay. Not fascism. Sorry, fascists. But <laughs> you know, I take fascists that out there. apology back. But centralized planning is still. It'll be emergent planning because everyone would participate in the development of it. And each city would have their own core of planning and and you could divide it in any different way you wanted. I really need, I think we need to go over the differences between centralized and decentralized planning. I think we, yeah, I I totally do. I think that should be the next one. All right, I agree. (laughs) Well, that should be a lot easier than volunteering in the future. Well, I think it is because we we can conceptualize it from a higher level, whereas volunteerism, we're not really sure what angle to go about it at. Yes, like, that's true. Are we making it about the volunteer and the, the fact that the organization didn't get back to them? Or, you know, or are we making it, which, which I'm interested in doing and making about the organization-wide problem. See, maybe that's where you fall. You run an organization, and me and Ian fall under that we volunteered at your organization. Mm. Okay, and so you're looking at this... And seeing like so we're looking at you as Michael's the guy that ruined a, a our volunteering for us to and you're looking in. at us as the guys that ruined your organization. Okay. <laughs> well, that, that's that's true because that's that's the. I mean, I don't feel that, but I'm just saying that you're describing. Truth comes out. There <laughs> it is. No, no. Well, you're you're describing the exact right phenomenon, and that is you have the insider and the outsider. Uh-huh. And I think that's a problem with our system mm-hmm. is you have you have like a social problem that's everybody's problem. But then you have these organizations who are the default people who are going to solve the problem because mm-hmm. no one who just Which, has a sentiment about a fear of or a distaste for homelessness is going to solve homelessness by purely having that naivety or that feeling or that passion. Right. They have to organize and then they will have to say. Okay, beyond the passion, how do I make sure that Michael and Corey and Ian know what their jobs are? Yeah, and it sounds like one of the problems with volunteer or uh, bad volunteers, maybe. I don't know. But the ones who get involved for the ego of it mm-hmm. are like those vo- those organizations Yeah. on some level where they say they're the only ones Yeah. or want to be the only ones known for solving a particular problem yeah right exactly yeah yeah i think that's a huge problem and i think maybe um, in preparation for the next podcast one way that i might want to think about it is that there 
we need to realize that we now have like organizations as super entities that we need to think about and that a single person entering into an organization has to go through some kind of you know process to cope with the stress of now living in an organization it's kind of like like you would prepare to go into space you must prepare to participate in an Michael's organization. trying to make volunteers into viruses <laughs> What? So they I joined his organization. No, his I organization don't, don't, sneezes. I'm talking about the... <laughs> These volunteers go out into the world and start infecting others. You're, you're I, just, just cross-pollinating so many I horrendous ideas. Michael is trying to send people into space for his cruel experiments. <laughs> no. I'm, first of all, and this is why we're talking I about it. I can't put a Duracell battery in somebody's forearm. Okay. <laughs> See, that's the thing. There is no individual in that world that you're describing... In my world, there is like the absolute individual and respecting of the individual. So you're the f Corey. Why are you such a fascist, Corey? What's going on here? Because uh, what you said is like the definition of fascism. No way. Yes, it is. It's, it's just an exchange of is money. Is the Borg what you described? Yes, Star Trek is a good show. Yeah, I would, I would, I would want to live in the Federation. I wouldn't want to live in the Borg. How do we build the Federation and avoid the Borg? Well, I mean, okay, give me one bad there's, thing that the Borg did. Next topic. Huh? Everything they destroyed. <laughs> give me one bad they destroyed thing. the one thing that we all have. That's that is we. It destroys identity, which is the one thing that we all know is true, and that is that we're all here in our own life. No, I think you took my idea wrong. I just wanted. <laughs> A different exchange, right? Instead mm -hmm. of money, you exchange energy. That's all I was That's saying. That's fine, but you—it's how you deliver the energy that's the problem. And, uh, and or, uh, through a handshake. Or like, yeah, that's diode like charge. In time, you remember that movie? Uh, yeah, in time. that's a good movie. Yeah, Should do a movie. film festival. Do you want movie? Yeah, I remember Star Trek, though. <laughs> Wait, Fast and, and Furious. It may be. It might. <laughs> Everything we know might be. Well, okay. Well. Okay. There's. There's our hour. Um, I actually quite enjoyed this conversation because it's. Uh, I think it's oh, going to give us much more conversation for next time. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps giving. Yeah. Everybody who's listening to this podcast and agrees with my energy idea, <laughs> please send your Duracell please to. <laughs> Just donate one dollar to our patron account so that I can tell, I can see. <laughs> and just to prepare, drill a hole in your wrist and start getting acclimatized to like various metals in your bloodstream and and stop thinking about what you want to do with your life. Just start $1 thinking about what's good for the, the colony. Patreon. What's or good the for the colony? Or, the, or just the Patreon. Thing. Or just the or just, Patreon, or just donate the Patreon either way. Yeah, you don't have to agree with me. You don't have to like the idea. Or send Corey a How about this? How about this as a non-fascist approach? If you like what we're doing, we'd love your support, whether it's through just listening, whether through its time. Mm -hmm. If you have extra money, that's cool, too. <laughs> we feel your energy. If you don't <laughs> like what we're doing, then leave us a scathing remark. And then, this is the clincher, go do something better. Ooh. There you go. All right. Thank you very much. Everybody. Thanks, everybody.